The temps are warmer, you've mowed the lawn, and maybe even turned on the AC a time or two. It's definitely spring. So SpI.com is having their spring sale. Log on now and get local deals up to 50% off before they're gone. SpI.com. This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Senator McClure, you know what? You probably have horse's autograph or something. From <laughs> He's talk- got Mr. Ed. He probably has Mr. Ed's autograph. <laughs> what we've been talking about today. We're going to give you a side of Steve McClure that I didn't know existed, <laughs> that I'll bet you didn't know existed. So just stay tuned. It really is. State Center Steve McClure is in studio with us. Let me head over on the west side and say good morning. Way west side and say good morning to the asphalt guy. David Friesen. Yeah. David, time of the year when you think about charities. I know you folks are very, very concerned about things like that. Give me your take. Sure. Give me your take on it. What do you folks try to do to help other people out? Well, I encourage everyone uh, in all, all of our communities to support uh, the Salvation Army. Uh, we're ringing bells this year, and uh, uh, here in Jacksonville. But uh, anyway, I encourage everyone to get out and uh, and help out what you can. Uh, Everybody's situation's different, but if you can help, please do. Uh, Salvation Army bell ringers are out in many, many locations. And then the other would be uh, uh, Toys for Tots. And uh, many folks think that uh, monetary donations are the, are the thing that uh, all these organizations are looking for. But Toys for Tots would really, really like for you to purchase a toy and, and then turn then uh, drop it at one of their locations, uh, an unopened toy uh, in new box and like that. They really work good with those, and they try to make sure that every kid has uh, has a present under the tree. Uh, there's a lot of folks that have a lot more difficult time than, than many, many of us that uh, are much more fortunate. So please help out where you can. And that's what the asphalt guy uh, wants to get across to everybody earlier in the year than right be- than the day before Christmas and like that. So Very good. Let's remind anyway, them, yeah. uh, if they want to talk asphalt, you'll be willing to do that. If you want to do it now or after the first of the year, get sure. ready for spring and so on. How can they get a hold of you? Well, you can, uh, of course, call us at, at uh, 754-3396. We're on our winter hours from uh, 8 to 3 uh, weekdays. And then also you can find us online at asphaltguy.com. And uh, with that, I will hop on my horse and ride into the sunset. <laughs> I appreciate it, David. We'll talk to you since next you're week. On the horse, you're on the horse thing yeah, today. Be yeah, careful. It's cold. Uh, no, it's all right yeah. for the horse. Hey, we'll talk to you next week. David Freeze and the Asphalt Guy. We'll talk to you next Monday. Thanks, buddy. Have a good day. Okay. Bye-bye there. Bye-bye. 529-1450. I, I'm, John Eck told me this story. I think we were at St. Pat's. And, uh, and, and he said... Sammy says, I think if, if we ask people for money, he said, we who are doing the asking should also have skin in the game. Mm-hmm. If we haven't made a contribution, it's very difficult, he said, for me. He says, I learned this, he said, and it was about three or four years ago, raising somebody for something, as John Eck raised a lot of money for charitable organizations. And he went to a guy and he said, okay, John, I will donate exactly what you have donated. And John took a checkout. He happened to have mm-hmm. now, maybe for this purpose, he took a checkout. I think it was for 500, maybe a thousand dollars. And he showed it to the guy 
he, John had made the check out to this particular charity. And the guy said, okay. And he wrote a check for whatever that amount was. And so John says, I think if you ask for money, you better be make sure you also have that sort of commitment from your own funds before you go hitting people up. That's a good point. I think that's, yeah, very good that's point. worthwhile. And it's AM Springfield. Nice to have you with us on a Monday. We say good morning, State Senator Steve McClure. How are you? Hey, Sam. Good. I'm not good sure we have talked to you since the election, have we? We have not. I've no. not been in. Um, you lost a few. You being Republicans lost a few more seats in the Senate. What is that all about? I thought the message was resonating. What happened, Senator? Well, in the Senate, we gained a seat. I'm sorry, gained one. In, in the, the House, House, they we lost, lost five. Quite a few, okay, right. And we lost everything statewide. Well, you know, it was just uh, the world is changing, and the elections are changing, and uh, the Republican Party has not been as focused as they need to be on getting people to vote through the mail and to vote early. And the Democrats pay people a significant amount of money to not just make sure people are getting through the mail ballots, but also calling them to make sure that they have filled out their ballots and staying on top of them, it, it, which is uh, takes a lot of work, which unfortunately we did not do a great job of this, this election cycle. Somebody was saying the other day that, you know, it used to be who went to the nursing homes and got those people. We don't have to do that anymore. Now you go to the nursing homes and make sure they've got their ballot. And if you want, you can mail. I guess you can. If I bring a ballot in. They mark the ballot and they give it to me to mail. I can do that, right? Or drop it out of box? In the state of Illinois, you can do that, absolutely. And and the Republicans have not been, their ground game, if you will, has not been as good as, as the Democrats have been. Sort of that, that's certainly, the other thing somebody told me is Republicans tend to wait too long to start their advertising campaign. They better gear it up when, you know, open voting starts, early voting starts. You better start running your commercials and even before that, so when people get it, your message is already out there. That's exactly right. And that's something that I experienced in the primary was that we would be going door to door and find out how many people had already voted. And, uh, you know, we're seeing now, it used to be there'd be like a last minute big news story. Al Gore did that to George W. Bush where there was a DUI that was released. Um, and then, boom, uh, election day hits. These days, people vote so early that you've really got to come in right away, right when ballots are start Absolutely. Uh, are starting. So. Uh, you know, we need to change the way as Republicans that we run our elections. And hopefully this election was a huge wake-up call for us nationally and, of course, locally. But nationally, it's been a big problem. What do you think uh, the effect? I, I I probably underestimated it. I didn't think. I knew when it came out it was going to be a big issue. I thought it would subside a little bit. The, the abortion issue, the abortion question, the Roe v. Wade decision by the court and so on and so forth. Is that a big or was that marginal? I think women really, uh, the majority of women were pretty, very much concerned about that issue. It certainly drove up the vote, uh, particularly the suburban vote. Yes. But you also see a lot of younger people voted for the first time in history, really, where we've seen this big of a turnout. And that was really driven a lot by Joe Biden's decision to try to forgive a lot of uh, student debt. No doubt. However, we're going to see if that's even constitutional. Um and so that may have been literally just uh, purely a press release, and maybe there's never, there's not going to be any debt forgiven. We'll see what the courts, how the courts rule. But it seemed to work to motivate a lot of younger people to actually vote. But I really thought that the issues that were going to divide the race, it's the economy, stupid. Evidently didn't do it because the economy is not good. Gas prices, inflation, people see it. Uh, unemployment rate is probably not a great indicator because there are a lot of people simply not work, looking for work right now, so they're not even... Uh, but I thought there was uh, the handling Afghanistan, open borders, 
crime in the streets. None of that seemed to resonate with the voters around the country. The Republicans were barely able to take control of the House. A lot of Republicans have lost confidence in voting in general. And I think President Trump hurt our ability to, to win elections because he's convinced a lot of people that their vote's not going to count and that uh, what's the point of voting anyway? And I saw that going door to door. People, Many people said, I'm not going to vote. It's not going to count. Either Cook County is going to steal the election or, uh, or or whatever. And we've got to realize that, uh, you know, downstate, outside of Cook County, Republicans lost several counties. And so these elections are really important. Your vote does count. And their turnout was really low downstate. If the turnout would have been, uh, you know, 10 to 15 points higher downstate, we could have had some incredible successes. But unfortunately, people didn't want to vote because they didn't think the vote would count. And number number one and number two, our organization as Republicans to get out early voters and through the mail voters was not there. And that's nationwide. I'm not looking for scapegoats, neither are Republicans, although they probably have talked about it off the record. Um, the, the Darren Bailey leading the ticket probably didn't energize the law. It, it energized the base. I understand that. That's how we got 56 percent in the primary. But that base could not deliver even close to the numbers they needed to how much of an effect there was always that worry that darren bailey's top of the ticket the down ballot races could be in trouble i don't know how much of this we can attribute to his candidacy and i know there are great supporters out there of darren bailey and they're saying you guys are way off the beam it should not be blamed on darren bailey but there are a lot of people who study this neither republican or democrat who said yeah it had an effect there's no question that it had an effect on particularly two close Senate races, the Sandy Hamilton race yep. right here and the Michael Hastings race. And there's no question that those those were those are very close races. And and we were seeing in the polling leading up to it the great disparity among those people that were gonna maybe vote for Sandy and maybe vote for Darren. I mean he was like losing by fourteen points. Sandy was like within the margin of error. So when you've got a candidate statewide that is losing so many Democrats and independents and quite frankly moderate Republicans that's always going to be trouble. And those are two close races that I think we may have won had Darren Bailey not been at the top of the ticket. Do Republicans need to take change their stance on some at least social issues, uh, the the uh, the marriage issue, uh, abortion, and so on and so forth, same-sex marriage and things like that? Do they need to change their message or become at least moderate on those or understanding on those? They have to reach out to people on the on the issues that they care about. And unfortunately, right now we've got an environment where a lot of people want to get lots of likes on social media, lots of video views on social media, and that's all they really care about. And so we've got a lot of, quite frankly, Republicans that like to do that. They jump on social media. They say very controversial things. It works great in the primary, but then you get into a general election, and it's used against you. It's, you're beaten with it. And so I think people need to focus more on being maybe a good state senator or a good state representative, or a good anything before you decide to run for higher office. It shouldn't just be about getting attention on social media, which that's kind of what it's turned into, and that's just a problem. And we've got to attract people in politics that want to serve and want to do things, not, not, not people that want to be famous or get attention. And I think that we're getting dominated in some cases by people that just want attention, and they don't care about policy. They don't, you know, if you look at their record in office, they've done nothing, and that's a problem for our party, and that's a problem for both parties, quite frankly, and and that's really hurts us in general elections. State Senator Steve McClure visiting with us. Um, 
Did did Darren Bailey ever reach out to you after the primary? Yes, he did. He did? He did. And talk to you, and did you and him campaign together at places? Uh, no, he never asked me to campaign anywhere with him. He did call me to let me know that he was now going to support me in the general election after the voters had spoken. Okay. And that was pretty much the end of the conversation, or did you have further conversations? He left a voicemail. I, I didn't take the call. You didn't take the call? No. Because I think Tim Butler told us uh, he had never, I think, heard from him. I think that is what Tim said. I hope I'm right on that, but I thought Tim Butler did tell us that he had never uh, – uh, well, of course, Tim Butler didn't have, well, he did have primary. Oh, that's right. He had primary opponent and the opponent was supported by, I believe Darren Bailey. I hope I'm not speaking out of, no, that's, that's right. And when you're, when you're the Kent Gray was supported by Darren Bailey. That's correct. Yeah. Well, when you're, when you're the Republican candidate for governor and you go out of your way in the few weeks before the election to try to pick as many internal Republican fights as possible, uh, I don't think that's a good strategy for a general election. And it certainly wasn't for Darren Bailey. How can you convince the Republican Party? Paulie has said it. Greg has said it. I've said it. How can you convince the Republican Party you cannot win general elections by ex- people that are very, very far? I-, I believe general elections are won by moderates. Then you can govern accordingly. But you can't govern until you get elected. And you've got to be moderate, I think, as a Republican to get elected. Well, you can you can be moderate. We've also had conservatives that have been elected. However, you have to be likable and you have to likable be presentable to the yeah. whole state. Yep. And unfortunately, we haven't done a great job of finding those type of candidates to run for governor as Republicans since Jim Edgar, Jim Edgar, Jim Thompson, and uh, that's that's a problem. People underestimate likability. If people see you on television and like you, that goes a long way, even if they disagree with you. I'm not sure our candidate was very likable this time around. Uh, statewide. And by the way, I never said any negative thing about Darren Bailey on the campaign trail. I've been a good, loyal Republican, but I think that we've got to start turning our party around and uh, we got to find people that are like legitimate, serious candidates that actually want to serve. There are people that argue uh, with me and maybe with you what you said. Well, wait a minute, guys. Uh, Bruce Rauner won. And my contention is Bruce Rauner won. And I like Bruce Rauner. I really did. He was a friend of the show, stopped in a lot. Uh, he was probably on with us during his term probably six eight different times alive would just show up and say hello and visit like that but i always contended that bruce ronner's victory was more of an anti-pat quinn vote than it was necessarily pro bruce ronner agree absolutely i agree and unfortunately governor ronner thought that it was a pro governor ronner vote and that's how he governed you're right and look where we are now i mean if you know if, if kirk dillard had won uh that primary We'd probably be in a very different spot as Republicans right now, but things happen the way that they did. We've got to deal with the situation as is, and moving forward, we got to change a lot of things. Before we take a break, I want to safety act. Was anything done in the session that made it more agreeable or okay with you as a former assistant state's attorney? There were significant improvements made to the safety. Significant. Act. Significant. Improvements. Okay. Now, the, you, if you read any news stories, they just say, oh, there was just clarifications. They were just, but they were significant. So the last time I was on, Sam, we talked about different things in which you can't be arrested for, uh, you know, like, uh, for example, robbery or, uh, I mean, there's a whole host of them that we talked about. They fixed many of those. The only one that you can't be arrested for uh, and, and stay in detention for pretrial is burglary, unless that burglary is done in the presence of another person where you're threatening them or using force against them. 
But uh, we talked about animal aggravated animal cruelty. Mm-hmm. Now you can be detained for that. Uh, like I said, robbery, aggravated battery. There's all kinds of, of these very serious violent offenses where now you can be detained. And also trespassing we talked about before, where you got somebody who's camping out on your front lawn. Uh, they don't want to leave. Now they're going to be able to be arrested and detained pretrial as well. Uh, but there's still significant problems with the Safety Act. But the main ones that I think you and I spoke about, yes, uh, many of those have been corrected. Good, good. That makes you feel better. I think uh, uh, the listeners can feel better. All right, we talked. Let me give you. We're going to keep you at about twenty-five till, and then we'll kind of want you have to sit through all these things. But uh, real quick, uh, you are a collector of stuff. Safe to say. <laughs> Yes. How I, long I is it? Mostly sports oriented. Is it entertainment? Give me some example. For example, you have something signed by Paul McCartney. Oh yeah, I've got several things signed by Paul McCartney. And Where got, would you cross Paul McCartney? Oh, I crossed the first time I met Paul McCartney was in Phoenix, Arizona, in about two thousand and two. Okay. And uh, it was after a concert. And uh, uh, the last time I met Paul McCartney, by the way, was in. When I was in London studying abroad in 2009, I believe. Okay. And uh, it just so happened, the last time that I saw him was I was going to eat at a restaurant while he was in tour, by the way. He was in tour in the United States. All right. So he had, like, different stops. I didn't think he was going to be in in the U.K., but I went to go visit Abbey Road. And uh, I went with a friend of mine from law school. And after that, I said, you know, I hear that Paul McCartney always goes to this restaurant, uh, and it's pretty close to Abbey Road, so let's go there. So I go there with my friend, and the waitress is real nice, and, uh, you know, didn't think anything of it. I said, hey, is Paul McCartney here today? She goes, oh, no, he's not here today. He was here this morning, though. I said, he was here this morning. When was he here before that? She goes, yesterday. I said, like, what time this morning? She's like, I don't know, about 10 o'clock or something like that. I said, see you tomorrow at 10 o'clock. So I, the next morning, I mean, so I go to this restaurant the next morning, and uh, she told me, he sat on the second floor, so I'm walking back to the restaurant uh, the next day. My friend could not, unfortunately, he couldn't get off class, but I got off class. Uh, and uh, I walk up, and sure enough, on the second floor where she said he was sitting, he was sitting at the same time that she said he would be there. So I walk in the first floor, and... Uh, she walks right up to me. There was, like, nobody in the restaurant. It was, like, me and then Paul McCartney with his, like, daughter and grandkids or something upstairs. And that was about it. There was maybe a few more people. And uh, she comes up to me. She says, he's here. He's here. I said, okay, great. I'm going to eat. I eat. I, 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 he comes downstairs. He walks out. And uh, uh, so I get up and I say, Paul, you know, I've been a huge fan of yours for many, many years. I, I've, saw, I've seen you in concert this many times or whatever I said. I said, is there any way I can please just get a picture with you, Paul? And he goes, uh, well, the thing is, when I'm, when I'm eating at a restaurant, I don't, I don't like to, you know, take pictures or do anything. I said, yeah, but, Paul, you don't understand. I'm from the United States. I didn't think I was going to see you right now. I just saw Abbey Road yesterday. Can I just get a quick picture with you, Paul? You, I, he goes, the thing is, if I take a picture with you, it's going to be posted on social media or, or wherever. And then, you know, I said, Paul, I swear, I will not post this picture anyway if you just take a picture of me. I just want to put it in my office or whatever I do. And uh, anyway, it was a long back and forth, and he shook my hand, and we talked for probably five minutes. We went back and forth on some things, and he just wasn't going to do it. So I said, okay, Paul, thank you very much. I understand. And 
whatever else. So that was the last time that I saw him. But he's one where I've met him several times. And since then, um, you know, like I've been really close up uh, in his concerts, like third or fourth row. I mean, he recognizes me at this point. Come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he still has never taken the picture with me. No. That's, that's my biggest <laughs> issue of them all. I've never gotten the picture. I've gotten a picture with Ringo Starr. I've gotten pictures with... Uh, Everybody I've ever really wanted to get a picture with, I've gotten a picture with, except for Paul McCartney. I mean, I've got like Jack Nicholson and Paul Newman and Clint Eastwood. And, oh my goodness! And Muhammad a, Ali. I got a picture boxing Muhammad Ali, but I could never get Paul McCartney to do it. Do you so. have a, an autographed tie of George Bush's? I do. It's his. Okay. Had, yeah. Real quick, I've got. I've run out of time. We could bring you back and talk about this rather than all this other stuff, <laughs> political stuff. Uh, real quick, you are. You don't have an autograph of Carl Malone. The mailman. I don't, Why? I don't. And you are going to go somewhere to a show. Tell me about that. Yeah, so for the first time ever, he's going to make a, an appearance at a sports show. Autograph sports show. Autograph sports card sports show uh, next month in Houston. I have met every single member of the Dream Team except for Larry Bird, John Stockton, and Carl Malone. Okay. And so, and I've got a picture with seven uh, Dream Teamers. So he will be eight because okay. I'm going to go to Houston for that. Houston. So I've got to go to it's the greatest team ever assembled, in my opinion, the Dream Team. Right. 1992 Olympics. And so I'm going to go there to get Carl, to meet Carl Malone's Carl. autograph. Yes. How much is the ticket to get in the show? I don't know, like 10 bucks probably. Uh, and then for Carl Malone's autograph? So the prices are $250 for an autograph <laughs> and $250 for a photo. But where are you going to see Carl Malone if I don't go to this, you know? <laughs> I can't <laughs> answer point. that. So you're going to have a picture and autograph with Carl Malone? Yes. Always good to see you, Senator. Have a great holiday. Always good to you. Keep us updated with holidays. this collection stuff. I love it. I Sounds love good. it. It's a lot more than sports, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I've got, I've got all kinds of stuff. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who would have guessed? Stay with us. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.